welcome to Wemek Talks. Uh, this is our fourth episode now, and today we are going to be talking about why don't men sing in choirs. And today we are speaking to Gareth, who is a baritone in our choir. We've also got Ben, our amazing MD, and we've also got Ollie, Ollie O'Connor, who is a tenor for us. So welcome everyone. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourselves and how you join the choir and singing in general? Shall I go first? Yes. Yes, Gareth. Okay. I'll go first. Idea. I think, well, out of the majority of the choir, I'll be one of the newer members in that I only joined Wemek just before the kind of first uh, lockdown kicked along. There was only kind of one term of meeting in person before it all kicked off. So I'm, I'm fairly new to Wemek, but um, I've been singing in choirs since I was about uh, six or seven years old because I was brought up in a uh, church family, uh, Salvation Army, for those that might know what that is. So I've always had a musical background with choirs and brass bands, which I'll probably allude to a little bit later as well with the music side of my job as well. But in terms of why I've I kind of wish I'd found Wemek a bit earlier because I've been looking for something to do singing wise in London since I've moved down to London years ago, but never really found something that fit in with kind of my work schedule and the, the bonus of having the different nights and different locations available turned out to be absolutely ideal for me. So that's how I found the choir. Gareth, why didn't you tell us what, what you do for workers are just for those people who don't know? Okay, yeah. I joined the British Army as a musician back in 2004. Uh, so I play a trombone, primar primarily a bass trombone, although I do play a few other instruments depending on what ensembles we've got out. Uh, so I do the big fluffy hat and red jacket stuff outside uh, Buckingham Palace, St James's Palace, that kind of thing, state ceremonial occasions, of which there might be uh, one coming up soon, I guess. Um, following the recent sad news about Prince Philip, but uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Have you got a picture of yourself in that in that get-up, Gareth, that you can share with everyone listening? <laughs> uh, yeah, but they can't see pictures on a no, podcast, can't. so... Um, but what I can find pictures to, to share at future events. If people it's fine. Wish. We'll just describe what we're seeing, Gareth. It's, it's yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> Majestic. Yeah. Majestic is the word. Um, cool. Uh, I'll continue. <laughs> Why not? Uh, so yeah, I'm Ben, as Maxine said. Uh, I am one of the MDs for West End Musical Choir, relatively new to the to the Wemmick life. I joined it last October, I think. Uh, yeah, about a year and a half now I've been part of Wemmick. I'm really enjoying it. It's a really nice, large singing community. Uh, and in general, most of the work I do as a professional musician is as a musical director or as a professional pianist. Um, and I also teach piano in schools and privately. So I get to work with a, a lot of young singers, um, particularly young male singers. And here we are talking about why there aren't more men in choirs. So uh, I'm glad to be here today and uh, to be talking about this very important topic. And that's kind of me in a nutshell. Very serendipitous. I can go next if you'd like. I guess I started off singing in my elementary school uh, choir, enjoyed that. And then I'll go into a little bit more detail about secondary school, but basically didn't get in the choir there. It was quite a quite a well-known um, sort of music department and I didn't get in. And that sort of knocked my confidence quite a bit, which I can go into later. Um, but then I didn't really start singing properly again until I got to uni. Um, and then I was performing, uh, doing sort of Rat Pack sort of, stuff for gigs around all the different colleges and around the northeast uh, around Newcastle and Durham and then after that since uni I've got a very sort of musically talented group of friends uh, including uh, Hayley who introduced me to Wemek um, so thank you for that Hayley and then basically from there we just did lots of you know recreational stuff enjoyed sort of singing when we got together uh, very informal um, but then I just basically was getting a bit frustrated with doing that and enjoying it so much and not really having an outlet. And then as Gareth uh, said as well, just, it was good that Wemmick came onto my radar and was able to to join and pursue the sort of types of music that I sort of secretly really enjoy and, you know, don't tell 
a huge amount of people too. And I think that will be an, an overarching theme potentially in this conversation about why men don't sing in choirs. Um, but hopefully we can uh, do something to redress that. And I joined September uh, 2019. So I had a, a full term and a bit before uh, going fully virtual. Well, I think a nice place to start really for me logically is the school setting right like as you said you sung, you sung in choirs at school and for me I sang in choirs at school but only because I started learning a, an instrument from a young age and I had that interest in music and I think that's where it kind of starts for the whole men in choirs the age-old problem as, as to why we don't have as many men in choirs but let's say secondary school right we've done primary school usually we sing a little bit in assembly or you know, the beginning of the day at primary school, we sing hymns, or at least I did. Not every school will sing hymns, but my school sang hymns. Um, not always religious, but some some of them religious. And uh, that ties into a whole church upbringing as well, where you have this early exposure to music. But I think once you get to secondary school, at least for me, as someone who was already playing music from a very young age, like four to six, uh, you had to sing in the choir once you got to that stage. Your music, my, my head of music said, you have to sing in the choir because you play music. So that was, I think, why we had a decent number of males. But then even then, the ratio was well off from, you know, boys to girls when you're in this young stage of life. And I think that just carries forward as you go on. And then as you get a little bit older and you get into this sort of GCSE A-level moment of your life, uh, young boys have to deal with the whole voice breaking situation which is another interesting thing that I thought I'd kind of spring mm. out there I mean for me my voice didn't break till I was a little bit older which kind of put me in a weird place where I didn't really know what I was singing or how to sing uh, because your voice is all over the shot you've got to deal with cracking you know uh, it's not it's not nice so I think that can kind of be a bit jarring for boys and um, boys in general when growing up I think it's a bit of a sort of tumultuous atmosphere right young boys can be pretty brutal and uh, the idea of blokishness or what it means to be a man can get involved as well so yeah I think in terms of a school environment it might be a bit it might be really difficult for boys young boys young men to get into singing with all of this going on going on you know yeah no I think that that's pretty consistent with my experience other than the ratio of boys to girls was pretty pretty easy in my school because it was an all, all boys school so we definitely had uh, uh, plenty of uh, plenty of boys singing in the choir you'd hope but um i think there's also the the idea that similar to you ben that anyone who was part of the music department had to be in the choir but if you weren't you were there on pot potential merit as it were but then a lot of the time you were sort of pushed towards going to do sports instead definitely not pursuing you know the, the musical side unless you had an instrument uh, and then in a way that the voice wasn't considered an instrument in in my school per se for the largest amount of people I think yeah it's ultimately something that isn't necessarily fully encouraged and supported for for young boys from I don't know the education point but then definitely when you talk to your friends and you know depending on which sort of sets you're in or groups or cliques it's like admitting that you sang in a choir or even even in the church choir unless you're in quite a uh, sort of religious um, sort of community as a whole either in a local town or city it's maybe something that's not considered all that cool either or you're sort of breaking away from that conformity and when you do start to like music it might be that you prefer a certain type of pop band or music genre that's breaking away from those more classic um, sort of styles so definitely there's, there's a bit of an uphill struggle for most young boys and men until you start to find a bit of confidence in expressing yourself and that might come slightly later than school and in more accommodating supportive environments as well yeah i would absolutely agree with that both from a kind of peer point of view and the education point of view my kind of secondary school uh, experience was a very non-musical school our school band only had 12 people in it me and my brother were probably considered the kind of higher level because we played week in week out and had done from a much younger age than the other kids were all kind of people that had picked up a clarinet for the first time at 12 13 years old so we already had several years head start 
Um, we had no choir whatsoever at my school. There was never any kind of interest in pushing it. There was only, well, I couldn't take A-level music because I was the only person in my entire year that had expressed an interest in doing it. So it wasn't an option given to me. So it was, a, I don't know whether it was the kind of, although I'm from a city, Peterborough, kind of on the outskirts where I grew up and my school was very kind of rural, a lot of farming communities. And I don't know whether there's a kind of socioeconomic background to those kids not having kind of music as a thing to do when they're growing up, because actually a lot of them were working on, on farms or whatever with the family and whether that just then filtered into the school that actually we don't have a musical area, so let's just not bother supporting it. But I also agree with Ben about the kind of the issues you find with things like your voice changing, because although I might be a baritone, well, I guess traditionally I'm actually a bass. Um, I do sing very low uh, if I warm up properly, obviously. But back in the day, I was kind of a boy soprano before the break. So I went full range of like very high to suddenly within the space of a few weeks being all over the place. And like Ben was saying, as someone that's keen to sing, when you can't do it as well as you want to, it kind of knocks you and takes you out of wanting to get involved. So I then switched to playing in like accompaniment groups for choirs instead. So I was still involved in choirs, but maybe playing a bass guitar alongside the, the keyboard or whatever, stuff like that. So sure, yeah, it was a strange upbringing. But... Yeah, and I think that as you say, being a boy soprano, it kind of conjures up that that image of a choir boy and going back to the kind of how evil some young boys can be in a school situation, you know, and, and girls, to be fair. You know, secondary school, primary school, you know, end of primary school, secondary school can be a horrible place. And, and I think that sort of stigma of, of being a, a choir boy maybe isn't appreciated by very young children, you know, and it can be a brutal, <laughs> be a brutal existence to be on the receiving end of that kind of thing. Going back to like my choir when I was in school, what we actually ended up with was, you know, four or five boys in the choir, all of which had a bit of musical understanding though. So that kind of, we, we had musical ability in those boys, but we, what we didn't have was any other boys doing choir, right? So how then does one who has never been interested in music join a choir when they get older and then suddenly find they have an interest in singing? they haven't had any training and then that further kind of discourages them to get involved you know and maybe there's not enough sort of recruitment or um engagement from the school in getting those who aren't musically trained to just come and have a go that kind of thing because how do you know you can sing if you've never been told you can sing or you haven't had any musical training it's it's a difficult one for sure and i don't know when or if it'll ever be more engaged from a really, really young, young age, you know, unless you are exposed to music or, or forced to kind of forced <laughs> to learn an instrument from a young age to then have that interest in music. I don't know. It's tricky. I, I think that's, that's a good point, Ben. I think there are basically two camps from what I'm hearing of. There's either no support and it's a burden for the school and potentially for uh, the parents uh, to sort of pursue a creative talent like that um, and then as I mentioned my my secondary school was quite a, a well-known choir so there was an element of elitism there or you had to get in with full merit and ultimately I was singing in my primary school choir um, and doing quite well in there and then I went to my secondary school and had to meet the head of music and effectively have an audition at the age of 10 or 11, I guess. Um, and he basically looked me up and down, listened to me and then said, you can't sing. So thank you for coming. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get on with, uh, with the next person. So it was a very uh, crushing experience at that age, especially with a few things that were going on um, sort of in, in my childhood around that uh, time. And that's ultimately why I didn't start singing again until university when I just didn't sing at all uh, in public in my teenage years because I'd been told by a, you know, an expert in music that I could sing. Um, and that's, you know, not great to hear. And I guess everything I've been doing since then is a kind of um, 
reaction to that and you know i'd sing along uh, to stuff in in the car or um at home and then you know you've got your parents and they're saying oh no you can sing it's great you're very good and you go well i can't hear it properly in my head and i guess with the voice breaking that sort of thing as well leads to more uh, sort of confidence issues so yeah i think you're either not supported or if you do try and then you do fail um or you don't quite meet the standards that you you thought that you were able to do you're in a position where when you do have time and potential uh, energy to do it when you're a little bit older in your 20s or 30s etc or even later uh, when you want to do it uh, it's it's kind of wanting to then go to a, a choir as it were um, and break in and there's loads of barriers in your head if nothing else to, to actually do that so yeah, I think there's there's a great degree of um, sort of confidence and nurturing that needs to happen at that early age for for people to, you know, feel confident just about the the actual ability or desire to sing, let alone the potential social stigma with a capital S that goes with men potentially enjoying musical theatre or offbeat stuff that isn't your standard pop or indie or hip hop or rap. Yeah. You know, it's seen as more maybe should we say masculine pursuits especially when you're surrounded by by uh, your friends as it were yeah and that's that's a really important part of it as well is the the idea that singing isn't traditionally masculine whatever that means because you know nowadays that we're in a much more progressive world than we have been in the past what 50 70 years um for, for definitely sure or ever perhaps that generally these pursuits are you know are very widely accepted accepted once you get to a, an older age but maybe still not when you're in the younger age and I, and I don't know why that is um but maybe a lot of men just don't accept that singing is or, or are not told that singing is incredibly uh freeing enjoyable you've got that camaraderie it's really great fun uh, it's good for your soul you know and it's good for your mental well-being as well and I think that nowadays more and more of that is kind of coming to the forefront the awareness of men's mental health you know men still have some really bad problems with their mental health and it's maybe that they feel like they still feel some way that they have to be this idea of masculinity that do you know what i mean it's got this weird concept to it i think we've done really well getting to about 15 20 minutes into this and not brought up toxic masculinity yeah, explicitly yeah, yet yeah. but unfortunately we're going to have to do that. And I don't know, Maxine, if there's a sound effect for air quotes, because we're having to do a lot of that, as it were. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a tricky one. And I think the way that music and singing and potential choral stuff is being portrayed in uh, the media and TV film, particularly from America, is improving and becoming more accommodating as it were but there's also a little bit of a, a weird stigma with with certain programs that you know were popular sort of 10 20 years ago where you know if you do like singing and you know potentially enjoying musical theater then it's that's another potential blocker as it were i'm not the greatest advocate of reality tv or uh, that sort of thing but you know x factor and britain's got, britain's got talent is allowing people to show their creativity and their talents and so on and it's much more uh, yeah accommodating i guess so ben you've described the secondary school environment you, you know you said it can be brutal um i understand you obviously teach in schools now do you feel like it's still quite brutal have you witnessed anything any of the students that you teach I wouldn't say witnessed firsthand but what you do see is that you know I joined a school I don't know a year and a half two years ago a school in Brixton where we I accompany the choir the head of music leads the choir and we've got uh, about 10 to 12 young girls and maybe two three boys so it's the kind of expected ratio at that age that we've kind of been talking about but I've already seen that two or three boys whittled down to one, you know, like <laughs> there's just one, there's one young boy at the choir now uh, who's really, you know, quite passionate about it. And he has singing lessons, which is obviously a big help. The school itself actually provides their lessons to the students uh, for free. They don't have to pay anything. They don't have to pay a subsidy or anything like that. So I'm sort of employed as a freelance teacher and all the peripatetic teachers are employed as a freelance uh, teacher but the school and the music department have a budget for that. And that's amazing because it's not a particularly, from what I understand, it's not a particularly well-off school, but that's amazing that that is um, offered to these students and really important 
for for a young boy interested in being in a choir to have singing lessons to get that support and get that encouragement and get the um, feedback on on how they're improving um so that has been already whittled down to one boy and now he's sort of vastly outnumbered in the choir and you just worry that without that extra you know support in those particular ranges because his voice is starting to break um you, you you may lose that that one boy eventually and I wonder why the other two have left you know I think one of them actually got too old and has left the school now and then you know how do you get the the next one it's it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky situation you know I keep saying that you know I, I don't know what the solution is that's that's the that's the worst thing that's the worst thing but I think we've kind of touched on it in terms of the support offered from 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 a young age and it being seen to be something that is good for you and incredibly enjoyable and rewarding in, in the long run right just going on from that i mean I've, I've got a few friends that are teachers and have different kind of school setups and different mix of kind of musical activity but when i've spoken to them the kind of regular theme that seems to come up is this i mean it can be applied to pretty much any activity in life really if if it's not a common activity people are getting involved in there's less understanding as to why it's a thing and the activities you get involved in as a young boy are much narrower and focused than when you're when you're older so when i was at secondary school if you weren't interested in girls or football at my school in particular then what what you're wasting your time on other stuff because they just didn't focus couldn't grasp the concept that there is other things to engage your brain or be interested in it was like as you get older you obviously taste develop or whatever and people get a bit more accepting that well i might not be interested in running up a mountain but i understand that some people might enjoy it whereas when you're as a kid you don't understand it because you can't see the enjoyment in it but i think the brutal aspect that ben was mentioning is that kids are a bit more vocal about expressing that they don't understand that and that you're an idiot for enjoying it and that's where you then think well hang on am i weird am i am i strange should i not be doing this why don't i enjoy football as much as i do music that kind of thing so i was quite lucky that i had a very very varied uh childhood in that i had feet in both camps as it were you know i had my musical upbringing i had you know i was encouraged to do sport i played rugby and tennis for a while and then i kind of had to whittle whittle it down at one point because my music got to a point where i was like you know i kind of wanted i want to do this and i've been lucky that i can just do that now um incredibly lucky but you know i consider myself <laughs> uh, an avid participator in both aspects of my life you know my well not just both i've got you know many facets i suppose but my musical life and my professional interests and then also i go to uh, a football stadium and enjoy the football you know with the what a lot of sort of traditional men would enjoy doing you know there's a lot of air quotes going on there um but i i have feet in firmly in both camps right now and uh, i really think that's a nice healthy way to be you know speaking of traditional men you know we you guys spoke a little bit about that earlier toxic masculinity and this whole idea of man <laughs> gareth what's that like in the army would you say there's some sort of social divide between the musicians and soldiers or tell us what it's like uh, there definitely has been in the past it is vastly improving now i would say particularly in in as much as the the bonus we have is that we're actually all soldiers first so everyone that wears a uniform will have done the same kind of basic training music is just my like specialist trade so one guy might be a sniper another guy might drive a tank and i just happen to play a trombone and equally so there's powerful. equally powerful yeah i've i've knocked a few walls there <laughs> But what we do find is, or when I first joined, what is it, 15, 16 years ago now, the ratio of males and females is pretty poor, mainly because, I mean, girls weren't even allowed in the bands not that long ago, really. Uh, so that's always been a struggle for them to equal out. But there's very much a difference of, I don't want to say intellect, that sounds hard, uh, between kind of regular soldiers and the bands and the musicians. I mean, generally in life, you will find musicians will be pretty switched on people. I don't know what it is about. Maybe there's something in your brain that allows you to deal with music, helps you in terms of a learning capacity or something like that. But we find there's a bit of a barrier between the kind of regular infantry guys that we hang around a lot with because we're at the same barracks. They kind of try and treat you like you're some kind of lower class individual. 
because you play music and they don't seem to realize that firstly that opinion doesn't doesn't actually bother us in any way shape or form and then they get upset when they find out that actually we get paid more than them as a result of being able to play music because we're specialists and and I don't know whether that that doesn't help they're like well hang on but but they're the weirdos how can they uh, get benefits from that but it's a it's a strange place to be because the the way the army trains people into being good soldiers isn't what I would call conducive to being a good uh, musician. I don't know if people have ever heard of different mindsets. People talk about a, having a growth mindset about how you develop yourself and grow and build. That's not really what makes a good soldier because a, a good soldier, you just need to shout something and they react without really thinking about it. It's all about responding and responding with what you've been trained to do. And so it's it's a hard it's a hard place to to work effectively as a musician sometimes. And I don't know whether that also puts up a, a kind of bad advert for other guys who are looking at, is music a thing to be doing? Is it an activity? Because Sorry, it's, it's really no, strange on, how that, that, that same dynamic, that kind of, as you say, that kind of like little envious thing is still going, that kind of schoolyard to and fro is still going on in like an institution where you'd think there'd be a lot of mutual respect between uh between men who are working to well men and women who are working together um and that same kind of mindset is still being applied you know right into right into your 20s 30s and 40s and it's so ingrained that music or or whatever is something yeah you know to be kind of sniffed at in a way but it says there's a lot of really 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 hard work that needs to go into your development if you're going to pursue it as a, as a career and I think that needs to be recognized really by by um, people who don't do music you know it is often very very difficult to have a conversation with someone who has not like nothing to do with the music industry about what you do sometimes I often find that I'm sort of explaining things even to some members of my family who know what I do, but don't really know what I do. And you kind of just feel like they have no idea what you're talking about and they're not going to get it unless I like sit down for about an hour and explain what it is that I do. And then they're going to be like, actually, that's quite impressive. <laughs> and like, there's loads of stuff that goes into it. That I think people don't, don't know and they, and they won't know unless you take the time to, to really explain it to them. But that's, is that your job to, to do that? You know, I don't know. I think the other issue we face is because obviously military services have been around for such a long time. There's a lot of inherited opinion. Mm. So you come through training and you've got a sergeant shouting at you saying that you're meant to hate people in the Air Force because that's what the army does. We hate we hate the Navy and the Air Force and they hate us. And you, you, you then find yourself 15 years later, you've got a new person just joined your unit and you're telling them, Oh, you can't have friends with people in the air force. We hate them, don't we? And it's and you suddenly realise, well, hang on, I don't actually believe that. And see how easy it is to pick up these kind of held opinions. And it's it's probably more his an historical thing of just back in the yeah, day. Yeah, and I think we very very briefly touched on uh, football, and I want to go back to that and sport um, because <laughs> you see, you know, seventy thousand people, uh, a lot of which are are men. Uh, but obviously you've got a very varied football and sport audience. I am well aware of that, but a lot of them, if you've ever been to a football game, which I'm sure you both have. And Maxine, have you ever been to a football game? Once. Once. Okay. <laughs> so would we agree that the majority of the people that are attending are men? Probably. Absolutely. I would hundred yeah. percent agree with that. And if you're going to go on to I was the doing... terraces mentality, um as it were you know it's it's very aggressive men reactions to things or male reactions to things sorry and along with the idea of the army you know the institutionalized hatred or misunderstanding of the other or what you're not comfortable with you lash out at it in that circumstance i don't i'm sure you 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 both don't but the reality is that you will push back against something that you don't fully appreciate as it were totally and value in it's like Arsenal and Tottenham or any other football uh, rivalry you're kind of taught to hate, right? Um, but just to pull us back on topic ever so slightly, you've got, uh, got 70,000 people singing at the top of their lungs 
these songs? Yes. Do they know what this? Do they know what they're singing? Right. I mean, I'm not on. sure how many people realise that you'll never walk alone <laughs> is from Carousel, for example. Say, exactly. Yeah. It's um, and also I I on a positive spin, I absolutely adore some of the creative ability of people who will create chants for their football team or their, or, or whatever. It's genius. Particularly football. Some of it is genuinely, I mean, Ben, you're, you're the, Ben and Gareth, you're both professional in this. It's genuinely impressive going, wow, how have you managed to get Adebayor to rhyme with that, as it were? <laughs> you know, it's, um, you know, and in the right sort of penta- iambic pentameter that you want to go with, it's, it, it's truly impressive. And then yet you say, you like music, what's wrong with you? And it's like, well, yeah. you've just composed a little, <laughs> a little thing yourself but yeah and managed to rehearse 60 70 000 people to sing the exact same yes. thing right uh, <laughs> this is a a really interesting point you know and especially at the rugby as well you often get very impressive music happening at the rugby you know your international yeah. mass matches this is quite a it's it's an amazing sound what you hear from from a stadium full of people singing in in unison it's amazing um but yeah, I was just, I just thought that was interesting. I, I was having a look at a little article. It's a bit dated from 2013. Uh, this guy, Chris Samuel, wrote about this thing that sort of men, and he, his simple solution was that men, uh, or I think grown men, if we're looking at, you know, why aren't more men singing in choirs? Men will only sing, this was his simple solution, men will only sing if they are uh, singing something which they can relate to and in an environment that's comfortable for them. And then they will sing, which is why we get, football chants and we get these rugby hymns because they're in this environment that's really supportive everyone's together but I think what they don't realize is that they can get that um, from just going to a a rehearsal and joining a a vocal ensemble you know and get that same feeling of togetherness the camaraderie and and, uh, high spirits that you get from you know going to a sports game and watching watching that and he said it was interesting he joined this uh choir in uh, australia what were they called spooky men's chorale chorale all right so uh they sing about sheds and power tools and do abba covers in viking helmets right so while this is good on one hand right in getting men to sing is it it's also quite alarming yeah and is it is it <laughs> it is it is alarming i can see here the the picture of them in viking helmets and it is alarming that is the word it's fine just sing abba it's okay you can sing abba together yeah. you don't have to put the viking helmet on but at the same time <laughs> if we're being supportive then please do and why while that does get men singing together does it not further kind of perpetuate the fact that men can only sing if they're singing about sheds and power tools because that is not yeah. the case certainly you know if you want to get men in more men in musical theatre, more men in choirs. We go back to the fact that it's not necessarily supported and encouraged from a for a very young age. And I think that is that's really the top and bottom of it from the institutions that are looking after these young men uh, to get to get them involved. You know, programs that give away free singing lessons. You know, that's that's what I think we need. Um, Absolutely, like I think just to to go on to that is. The, the the wider societal cultural issue that we that we have in this country and the other parts of the western world particularly is goodness me don't talk about your feelings ever because that would be terrible yeah and uh, you so i think expressing sentiment and and your feelings through song is you know possibly anathema to a, a lot of people um you know men and women and i think uh, it's important that there are groups such as uh, WEMEC and other music groups and and importantly the schools and cultural clubs for younger people to be okay with doing that i think wemex a really good one uh, not to sort of blow our own trumpet but it, it is super super inclusive right non-audition absolutely so really no pressure and i think it i think we do provide a supportive environment in a rehearsal setting you know it's very rare that we'll come and single out anyone who you know i can hear is out of tune or out of rhythm you know we support the section as a whole and it's not we're not coming at you if, if something's wrong, you know, we're just there to support you and, and teach you the right way. And it's interesting, I often get asked by particularly men, um, if I offer singing lessons, which I don't necessarily, because I wouldn't call myself a singing teacher, I'd say I'm a musical director who shapes sound and 
helps you know the overall ensemble and uh, you know what's going on dynamically or all, all of that stuff um, but i'm not a i'm not a trained singer per se or singing teacher and i think once you get to that stage where you feel like you need singing lessons go and get singing lessons you know with a with a really supportive uh, singing teacher but some people might not have the means to do these things you know that's that's a problem as well like you maybe can't afford singing lessons so how do you gain that confidence or you know that well it's exactly that how do you gain the confidence to think right you know i'm absolutely right that is that is bang bang on the money yeah. um singing lessons are really important as a as an adult you know it's never too late to go and uh, pick things up i suppose it's a part of the sort of the means as you say sort of disposable mm. disposable income to yeah pursue something that you want to do but also it's just the uh, ability and the knowledge required to find a singing teacher in your local area and I, I know that this is fundamentally a, a London-based uh, group but you know going international now and then further afield well, there is the reason I didn't join a choir really or a music thing until pretty much my mid-30s is because I was potentially pursuing uh, more sport in, in, uh, than, than music. But if I was doing music, I was lucky enough to have that group of friends I mentioned before that, you know, we were able to do that in a recreational way and have a, a lovely time of it. It wasn't until I was introduced to the choir and suddenly there was a, a whole world of opportunity there. And I'm not sure how many men or women potentially are going to go out there and look for it unless they they really want to pursue it. And if there is an issue of confidence, then why would they do that? So it's sort of a perpetuating uh, issue in that respect. Yeah, so yeah. I think providing more information uh, to people. And I think in a way that if there are positives to take out of uh, the past year, um, the ability to do it virtually or digitally is, is a big one. I think you don't have to rock up to this big auditorium or room filled with people that you don't know. And you're like, oh, I wonder how good this will be and how how accepting I'll be. You sort of, okay, I'm going to do this taster session and I'll be on screen and I've been on screens for forever now. I don't, it's okay. And then you suddenly, in, in our experience, you know, incredibly welcoming and enjoyable uh, way to spend a, a Tuesday or Thursday evening. So I think some of the barriers have been taken down through uh, the, the pandemic and being able to do it virtually. So I would say, I think it's important to, um, nurture any interest that you hear from your friends or your colleagues or whoever that there is an ability to pursue their interest be it music be it something else um, and i think thankfully we're increasingly in a in a world that does that which yeah. may not have been the case prior i think the takeaway is that we're closer but not no really. i mean it's alarming hearing um, your stories ben of you know teaching the current crop as it were and yeah. you've got one kid in the school who is actually willing and able to be in the choir there's clearly work still to be done and it's yeah, maybe not on us but yeah it just stems it stems again to the young the young age and the young participation and and being able to be a part of something um right from the offset but it it, it sort of leaks into the professional world really because what you end up with in sort of your uh, junior theatre schools right well I joined one when I was like 10 10 to 12 really I, I, I stayed in a theatre school until 16 but what you end up with is because you, you've got barely any boys doing musical theatre um, they get all the parts they want because they only have five or six boys right and usually there's varied enough casting within that five or six boys that they'll all get the part that is right for them in the show right but the girls they don't because there's so many girls doing musical theater that um that some of them look similar right so they have competition for parts and that then leads on again to musical theater colleges when they're auditioning and then again when they're casting shows because you just have vastly more women than men in musical theater right so it's almost like unfair on the women in a way because there's so much more competition out there. You know, my partner is in musical theatre and she just has so many people going up for these roles, you know, whereas a, as a guy, it might not. Um, obviously, there are plenty of men in musical theatre. It's probably like an element of the competition, isn't it? That competition will drum up more ability and sort of talent in that progression. But it's just a, a thought that 
you know, if you've got five guys for four roles, you're going to get four of them pretty much um, sort of fitted in really easily. And then you have 25 going for six roles and the female roles, you're going to sort of get to the more appropriate or uh, cream of the crop, as it were. And I think that is consistent maybe throughout the system. What you end up with is, you know, those five... from a young age in musical theater school, like 10 to 12, those five or six boys may have had, you know, they get the roles. So they get to really hone their craft and work on those skills. Whereas the uh, the young ladies in musical theater might go from sort of age 10 to 22 or whatever, and have never played a lead role because there's so much competition, you know, and that then will translate into the professional world again. You know, they'll be auditioning for these roles that they've never had a chance to, to perform. You know, it's really, it's really tough for women in musical theater in a way, not that the men and women are, are directly competitive, uh, com- competing for the roles by the way obviously because you know most of the time uh, there are male and female roles although there's been a great deal of sort of subverting that nowadays which yeah. is great you know more more power to that you know look at company that was fantastic that complete gender I was lucky role. enough to go and see that uh, two years ago it was excellent on many levels it was uh, fantastic namely Just... yeah it was really good having that sort of gender reversal absolutely but i think ben to your point the in general um in general there it's not the same system it's two micros two distinct yeah. microsystems of male roles and female roles yeah. and they're going to yeah. work technically within that wider field but they are independent of each other um so yeah it just almost seems un- unfair that there's not enough men in musical theater you know that's that and that's because they're not encouraged from the young age to get into it you know if we had 50 50 in musical theater schools male to female from from an early age things would look a bit different i think and that would then translate to quiet the choir community as well because obviously it's slightly separated from the choir community in that we have professional and semi-professional and non-professional choirs whereas I was kind of speaking about you know the professional sense of of men being in musical theatre but I think if it was more there were more men pursuing this professional goal of musicianship there would be more men in choirs right? Absolutely it's it's systemic from a young age that it manifests itself not just in our choir but in multitudes of different choirs around the country but then it goes through to amateur dramatics as well or yeah. that that aspect where there are severe obstacles of entry to that because you have either not acted or you have not sung or both and you feel that there's too much pressure to go in because you're expecting everyone to be fantastic as it were because your experience can't possibly be the same as everybody else's. And there's, I think the largest takeaway for me is that you need to pursue your interest in you. If you feel that you have an ability in it, you need to pursue it because not enough people will positively PR themselves that they are able to do these things or pursue these interests. Uh, rather, they will secret them away or uh, self-deprecate, as it were. You're not, you're not the only one having these thoughts, as it were. You know, you should feel that you need to pursue it and enjoy it um, and then sort of spread that uh, spread that sentiment around as it were. Ollie, I know that you started a new job last year or this year? Who knows, Maxine? Time is very <laughs> ephemeral at the moment. Um, I believe it was last year. I think it was November. Yeah. I mean, how confident would you be to, uh, I'm not sure if you've met your, your new work colleagues in person, but how confident would you be to tell them that you're part of a choir and furthermore to invite them to maybe come to a taster session knowing that there is still even at you know as an adult there is still a little bit of a stigma about oh gosh you go to a choir yeah um I won't necessarily um mention my direct employer um but it's sort of a weird situation where there are some people who also work for them who uh have been excellent press gangers to get me involved in the in the choir at work and uh I'll leave that to uh, to interpretation from those who know. Um, but I would say that if we move back to my previous role in, in another job with the same parameters, I would say I wouldn't necessarily have, when I was younger, mentioned that I was going to be joining the work choir, let alone a separate one. I think I almost feel more comfortable telling people that I was doing um, something musical away from uh, the office rather than necessarily joining the uh, the the work choir and I don't know why that is but I think it's a reality that a few other men and women would have in expressing that because um, even though music is such an integral part of our 
shared experience and society and all the rest of it there's still this weird thing of oh so you've joined a choir cool like I guess and that's kind of a crappy situation but it's probably quite a consistent one for anyone sort of aged I would say north of 25 and then I think it stems down to a position of self-confidence and self-assurance that you go actually no I, I really like what I do I like this interest I'm going to pursue it and I don't really care if I'm seen as x y or z by others i'm going to do it and you talk to any of the baritones and tenors in in Wemek and or sort of of a slightly older age than myself and gareth and there's just this no just decide i was going to do it one day and here we are and i'm really loving it and i wish i'd done it before and i think that's a an overarching feeling of i wish i had done this before i wish i'd have the self-confidence and self-assurance um so I am all in favour of being an aggressive <laughs> recruitment officer um, for, uh, for for Wemec in in a work capacity, Maxine. Going back to your original uh, sort of question there, um, but yeah, and I, I, funnily enough, I have mentioned to my uh, my director at work that I am part of the work choir uh, that I um, pursue um, my interest with, with with the West End Musical Choir. I have shared virtual performances with people from work. Um, they all are incredibly supportive and interested and I think that's a good thing it's a weird one for me as well because I know that if you asked me when I was in my early 20s uh, in my first couple of jobs I I don't think I would have mentioned it but that was sort of even though I was doing a lot of music back then I was performing for friends and family at weddings I was doing professional gigs I was you know I've, I've performed at some very high-end places as a soloist with um, sort of different ensembles as well. So it's a weird balance of feeling confident in the music I was doing then, but the juxtaposition with what I'm doing now with Wemek and pursuing the type of music I really just probably love the most, if I'm being honest. I, I enjoy an eclectic taste in music, and you can ask me about that at some point um, in the future, but I just love uh, singing to musicals and, and, and that sort of thing and, and, and Disney and I'm totally okay with that and I'm glad that I found a large group of people who also enjoy doing that and uh, yeah, I think once we're back performing in person, um, hopefully I can ask people to come along uh, and then it may spark the interest from others. Um, to, to do the same well I think I think you're both shining examples and advocates of what it means to be a, a man in a choir and I have no doubt that you will aggressively promote this to others uh, as Ollie says there I think it's great I believe I, the check is in the post <laughs> I think <laughs> we, no oh god we're still recording no, no fine yeah, yeah we on, can't ben. we can't do it alone but I think um, I think I think we're on the right track um, just just like I think we're on the right track as adults I don't think we're on the right track from a young age. Um, and that's because of, as we've already said, the, the support and engagement from, from right right at the offset, really. Got to look at the schools, I think. I agree yeah. entirely. I think it's 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 nurturing that young talent or interest from that age and being supportive. But there are severe obstacles to that, be it funding or cultural around the schools, but also just the peer level, uh, the peer level pressure that you have or criticism is completely inverted against the aspiration to do something with your talent or your creative side the the amount of criticism or nigh on bullying that you get in relation to oh i quite like singing or i want to play the piano um it is um completely inverted in that respect i was going to ask the two of you ben and gareth we've covered the sort of kid situation as it were but from an adult perspective and maybe from a cultural one. I've been interested in how music and singing and musical groups um, has been sort of portrayed and represented on TV and film. And I'm not saying going back to the musicals from the 50s and, uh, and earlier, I mean, talking about X Factor, Britain's Gone Talent, Glee Club, the sort of different choir reality shows that we have. And in a way, I would be surprised that it may not happen this year, but it may happen in the next five to 10 years, that there are, there is an influx of younger male people wanting to be involved with choir or singing groups. Do you feel that that's something that you've seen as well? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Something I've noticed from friends with kids that would be about the age that would be interested in applying for things like Britain's Got Talent is if I remember to what I was like at that age, if someone said to me, 
do you want to go and sing on live TV? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not happening. Performance anxiety kick into the maximum level. I don't know what the difference is with kind of mentality of youth today, but they seem to be a lot more kind of gung-ho and happy to just do something if it looks fun. And if they don't like it, then they'll just change their mind and go do something else. And there seems to be less fear of putting themselves out there and doing something, which I applaud them for because I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it, even though... <laughs> I've kind of been performing from a young age. It's still that kind of fear of judgment of, oh, what are they going to think of me doing this? Exactly. Um, On that point, I would say that there's also this odd connection with, I would say, social media and creation on there and the uptake of TikTok or Instagram, YouTube channels since 2005. There's this self-promotion, but also self-expression that's possible on there, whereas if you enjoyed singing, there wasn't really an avenue apart from potentially singing with your family or in school, whereas now you're able to potentially share it, even if it's just to a few tens or hundreds of people, to thousands uh, of people, the ability to showcase your talent or your interest, and more importantly, find that wider community that share it with you. So I I don't know if that's, that's potentially the case with with these shows as well 100 uh, ollie i think that's a really good point with the social media because even from my growing up in school which and we're talking when i was in secondary school i was the first whatever 14 15 year old who got facebook on their phone right so <laughs> even from then to now the changes that have happened in social media and you mentioned tiktok I think that's really important in terms of showcasing and the self-expression because you see a lot of guys coming out with these incredible singing videos that people are going to think, wow, you know, that's, that's insane. That's incredible. Look what that guy's voice can do, you know? And I think that's really going to be part of the next generation of young male singers because they are, you know, gaining access to these online materials, you know, in a concerningly, a concerningly younger age and, to be honest, if they're getting exposure to these kind of things, then then that's great. Some of the things that they might be getting exposure to, I don't necessarily agree with, but uh, I think that singing can be part of that, you know, and that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Just to say, I didn't even have a mobile phone when I was in school. That's how old I am. So we've got a we've got a wide range. <laughs> we've got a wide range of experiences on this on this show, yeah. you know. But just so you all know, I am I am the youngest. <laughs> I would like to just jump in and say that I am the second youngest, um, but probably not by that much Thanks. at all. Um, I think uh, Gareth and I feel like we may be in a very similar cohort, should we say? But yeah, um, yeah it's uh, if Ben's alarmed at what the youth of today are doing and able to do, then frankly, Gareth and I are quivering in our armchairs. Listen, we rely on we rely on men like you to join choir. Okay. Excellent. I feel much better for it then. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's probably a topic that we've been tiptoeing around quite aggressively as three straight men in in a choir that there is a certain amount of archetypal or tropic criticism or observation from others who, if you like musicals or musical theatre or you know, are interested in, in in this sort of area that Wemek specialises in. Is it some sort of repressed homosexual gay thing within your character? And I know that there's a great deal of gender fluidity and all the rest of it now, and I'm all, all for that, but it is really tired. It's really tiring, sorry, when you speak to some of your good friends, female as well as male, and say, yes, we're doing this song in choir, or I really loved watching this particular musical over Christmas or over Easter, like watching The Sound of Music, and they sort of roll their eyes and go, Ollie, are you sure you're not gay? Are you absolutely sure about this? Because you, if you love musicals as a man, there is this unfortunate stigma that goes with it, and it shouldn't be a stigma anyway, of potentially you are gay. And um, the, I think it, it's tiring uh, and I think that's a, a big obstacle for a lot yeah. of men, going back to the whole toxic masculinity that we spoke about before, of, mm, I like these things, uh, is it a bit weird? Oh, I'm a man, I, I, you know, or I'm, I'm definitely straight and all the rest of it. And it shouldn't be getting wound up in your head like that, but it is something that I faced in the past. I don't know if Gareth and Ben, if, if you've had similar. I think, yeah, no, 100%. As, as a straight man um, who grew up in musical theatre, yeah, uh, all the time, Ollie, you're completely right. And I think it's you're absolutely right to bring it up in this discussion. Um, 
I think it's about calling it out when you see it and 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 really making sure it is a tired old discussion and just pointing that out um, because it's not acceptable nowadays. You know, you pointed out we're in a much more progressive society right now and we are generally, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, but in a lot of areas, we're very accepting of, of all these things. You know, we're seeing it more and more uh, in terms of like on forms, you can fill out the correct thing, what you identify as. It's a, it's a great thing. We've got a lot of work to do, but I think in a choir setting and in a musical theatre set, setting, it's just about pointing that out and saying, this is tired. You know, what you're, what you're saying is not, appropriate anymore <laughs> not that it ever was but you know what i'm saying um and i think it's super super important you know a choir and, and a musical theater it's it's really super important to mix these communities you know and and in musical theater and in choirs it's a place where you can integrate with these societies that you may not have had too much interaction with before depending on where you're from in england right me growing up in a very rural area in leicestershire there really wasn't much of that going around especially not public you know maybe maybe in private but nobody would come out really i maybe had one or two um, guys in a school that would openly uh you know come out and say you know i'm gay but i think a, a choir and, and a musical theater in general is one of maybe not the only places but it does feel like a really nice environment where where straight people gay people people who identify as different genders can mix and really kind of come together and understand each other and that's super super important that these places exist and um and th they're allowed to express themselves within and among people who who are different to them you know because that's one of the only ways that i think that society will keep moving forward uh and keep accepting more and more and more and we completely eliminate this stuff uh once and for all let's hope you know there's been a lot of group good work done in the past i don't know maybe even just 10 years like 10 5 to 10 years right it really there's been a lot of good work done, but we're still far, far away from where we need to be as a whole society, right? Because I often think we've come like a really long way, but then I remember, hold on, wait, my social media bubble is one tiny percentile of what the country as a whole believes and speaks openly about, you know? There are people who are still really, really unaccepting of these things. And as you say, these are the kind of people that might say a comment like that to you if you were a man joining a choir. And you need to kind of nip that in the bud really, really quickly. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's a, there's two facets to that where it's either the sincere, you must be X because you like Y. And then there's the hired tropic eye rolling of, oh God, he's on about musicals again. Just, you know, so it, they're both tiring and a bit, what one is more problematic. And as you say, there's lots of progress. But as soon as you scratch the surface around society, you realise that there's still a long way to go. Mm. And I, I guess, Gareth, like in your view, being in an institution such as the army and as a musician and all the rest of it, uh, I guess I'd be fascinated to know what your, if you, your experience around this. Well, I think as creatives, as creative people, we are kind of victims of our own success. If I try and extract myself and look at society as a whole, I see, generally speaking, people that are artistic, creative backgrounds are probably more likely to be leaning towards liberal attitudes, uh, acceptance. And because of that, we get these integrated communities a bit easier than other areas. So then when the rest of the world looks in at the creatives, they're seeing more evidence of the LGBT communities and such, and therefore they label everyone involved, or they, they must all be. And I don't think it's necessarily true that it's maybe not the same in other areas. It's just people are less willing to say, well, actually, yeah, I'm a, I'm a member of the gay community, but I happen to be a sportsman or I happen to be in high finance. So, yeah, I think there is, there's definitely that element of victim of our own success. But hopefully we're also the kind of people that have the character to be able to deflect the criticism that comes our way or, or the, the kind of um, uh, passive, yeah the, yeah, the judgment and the passive aggressiveness that can uh, come across. If we're able to like kind of stay the course and deflect that, gradually my hope would be that the rest of society catches up until it's a place where, and I think then we'll be even will be in an even better situation in terms of men with choirs yeah. in that, oh, actually, if I say to the boys, um, I'm not available for a five-a-side kick around tonight because I'm going to a choir rehearsal, there won't be that fear of actually saying, why 
you're not going to the five-a-side football and making up a different excuse. And it's yeah, going to... That would be my hope, but it will take time and it will take the likes of us that are already involved to just say that, actually, I don't care what your criticism is. This is perfectly normal thing to do. Just because I choose to do something that might be more accepting doesn't, doesn't reflect anything on me personally yeah. or those I'm with. It's just something we all enjoy doing. If you don't like yeah, it, then sort of, comment. I think- I think every man, you know, LGBT or not, straight, gay, doesn't matter. Every man in a choir probably has a responsibility right now to kind of make sure that is being nipped in the bud when the conversation arises, which it undoubtedly will, because as we've said, these things do still go on, which is a problem. Uh, Just to deflect it and say, you know, as you say, it's not actually (laughs) appropriate for you to say that. And, and then, also then the, the self-confidence thing, isn't it? Self-confidence, self-assuredness. I'm going to do what I like. Mm. And if you do eye roll or if you do have this bizarre point of view, then that's more on you than it is on me. And I think fundamentally answering the the, the, the main question of why aren't there more men in choirs is because I think in terms of why there aren't more men in choirs boils down to this, the confidence that men have to pursue their interests or their creative outputs maybe comes later and is nurtured less at an earlier at an earlier age than for uh, women should we say and i think that's why we have less men in choirs than than, than women sure. and i think as long as we can perpetuate and support people who want to be involved that age limit will drop hopefully let's hope i also think going off of what you just said ben that it's not just men in choirs that have that duty to call us out. I've actually found myself in the situation so many times where I've invited a male work colleague of mine to join the choir and then having other mutual friends question his sexuality. I think it's up to everyone to call it out. I'm constantly having to, to tell people like, no, of course he's not gay just because he's joined my choir he's not gay it's it's tired as you mentioned yeah, yeah you're completely right it is you know and we get onto the bigger problem of society as a whole mm. you know, accepting all things not just you know men singing choirs but much deeper rooted um issues and opinions that still exist nowadays but yeah you're right no more 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 calling out is needed fortunately i think that west end musical choir is a fantastic community yeah. to do that in there are so many people that i've met through choir who are fantastic go across all the different the different spectra that we've spoken about and it's really refreshing and i think almost that's one of the larger parts of why i enjoy the choir community the, the fantastic people with diversified backgrounds and experiences yeah. all getting together around there their mutual love of uh, music and uh, and being involved in that. So I think we can hopefully be a paragon of virtue in this in this pursuit for the wider societal concerns that Ben has raised. And I think mm. we can't cover in an acceptable amount of time. Yeah, I think I think an e- a really easy way to think of it is something uh, my granddad used to say to me when I was little. He said, "The person you become is directly influenced by anyone you have contact with." He said, "So meet as many different types of people as you can, because you will become a better person." as a result and that's what i love about things like choir when there's so many people different backgrounds and things like that it can make you a better person just having those people around you as well as the enjoyment of all doing something that you you happen to have a similar interest in at the same time so it's i just wish more people could see that benefit and maybe that would encourage them to join a similar kind of group ensemble whatever it is definitely yeah the more the more people the more experiences the more life experiences that you meet and and talk about with people the 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 richer you become as a person 100 percent. and i think the choir particularly when from a social point of view when we can actually get together and go to the pub after a rehearsal is one of the best places in my in my life that i get to do that you know it's great that's why you should join any men (laughs) listening join join us one of us <laughs> yeah oh no i've gone back on everything we just articulately said um but no i think it's uh it's pos- possibly a good note uh to, to wrap up yeah i would say that's a very positive one and i think uh if we could have for the better from wicked maybe playing over our, our, our outro that might be uh, that might be perfect but who knows absolutely this has been incredible i've thoroughly enjoyed listening and having this chat with you guys but so yeah thanks so much any final thoughts or join the choir don't be afraid (laughs) if you're listening to this on on your wherever you get your podcast please join the choir getting back uh, to in-person rehearsal suit indeed you can never have too many baritones (laughs) yes 
I'd say as well, thank you, Maxine, for inviting uh, you, me yeah. and, and the others, because it's a tricky subject that I've personally been trying to work out myself for quite a while. And it's been nice to have a forum to do that with two other guys who have, you know, there are shared experiences there, but there are you know distinct differences. And it's been borderline cathartic talking about it. And I yeah. think... <laughs> Um, that's that's a good takeaway for me as well and oh, you're very welcome so that's it for episode four of when mech talk very much enjoyed that thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your weekend mm-hmm.